Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks in the world who are on a mission to obtain freedom. What is freedom? We're about to find out. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited entrepreneur who has been chasing freedom her entire life. Beside me is my co-host, Jackie Asel, the anchor who keeps me grounded. Thanks for joining us. Hello, and welcome back to the next episode of Clocked Out, The Vicarious Life. Today, I'm super excited to be doing another phone call conference um, video podcast for you guys. Uh, This time, we've got some international travelers that have agreed to take time out of their uh, busy agenda to share with us a a year-long excursion that they're on exploring South America. So with that, I've got Sarah and Mike Bordoon, as well as their two kiddos. We've got Niles and Vivian that are accompanying them on this year-long journey. Uh, Mike Bordoon comes to us. He is retired, you know, recently retired, not like he's old. He's very young, Um, and he is a groundwater engineer. And then we've got Sarah Bordoon, who is temporarily, possibly temporarily retired as a nurse. As I said, they're both traveling along, um, exploring Colombia, Argentina, uh, just taking a year away from life in America to do some cool things that I'm excited to hear all about. Um, with that, welcome, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Tracy. Oh, gosh. My We're excited pleasure. to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're excited to talk to you and share story. Great, great. Um, why don't you guys just take a couple minutes here and um, introduce yourselves. Tell me uh, just a little bit about yourselves, uh, where you're currently at, and then we'll get into the big picture of, of what you guys got going on down there. Sure, Tracy. So what what we are doing is we're taking a year-long, what we're calling our gap year, because Vivian graduated, graduated high school and wasn't quite after this pandemic, et cetera, we just didn't have a clear plan for what she wanted to do next. And so we were dreaming about doing a big trip with our family anyway, and this just made sense. We picked South America because it's mostly united by a common language of Spanish. And we leaped into learning Spanish once we knew where in general we'd be going. Um, And then we decided that um, the four of us would travel together with our dog, Gypsy, who is a border collie. And um, and our other daughter, um, Lydia, is staying back in Butte, Montana and trying out living independently. Gap year of her own. Gap year of her own. So we're all on a special journey this year. That's fantastic. And Niles, I think, is still in high school. Is that correct? How is How is that going? Uh, high school is kind of a pain over the line, uh, but it's fine. Okay. And how are you still uh, getting your education while traveling around? The BYU uh, is a United website that you can uh, still stay in high school and you don't have to drop out. And you'll just have to do a bit of extra high school uh, during your uh school year (laughs) yeah so when niles returns to the public school system in butte byu credits do transfer um to the butte school system which is niles's goal is to return to the butte public high school and so he will be in line for graduating on time despite taking a year quote off yeah That's awesome. So very interested in in that myself. Is that, so is that something that people, kids can do? Like, does it have to be a full year or do they have options for like, say a shorter trip, three months, six months, something along those lines? I I think you can tailor it. I think first off, you have to talk to your school district to find out which online, um, online courses will Uh, transfer as credits and which ones the state of Montana honors Mm -hmm. because it is limited compared to other states. Um, Montana doesn't have a free online course. Most of the other states allow something called K-12 to be done online and it's free. 
Montana does not allow that. So it is a private pay set of online courses that Montana has approved and you can do it course by course. And each course is a half year course. So um, right now we've bought four four half year courses and then we'll buy another four half year courses. So I suppose a person could um, just do a half year at a time. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fascinating. I've seen people that have taken time and just done like the full homeschool, like where they just do experiences and they, they basically build their own curriculum as they're traveling around. So I was interested if you guys had taken that, that on, or if it was something that was already pre-designed and structured, which it sounds like you guys have it. <laughs> but I mean, it, it sounds like it's a good fit for what you guys are doing without having yeah. to totally disrupt and learn how to be school teachers too. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That can sure be a full time job. Yeah, I think the basic decision is your your um your kid has to decide if they want to re-enter public school. Then the easiest way is to do structured learning in the high school level. At the elementary and middle school level, I think you can get away with a more free form uh, way of learning um, that's structured on what you're seeing in your travels, but in for the high school level, they get very concerned about how those credits would transfer if you're going to college, et cetera, yeah. Yeah, um, and how they would flow into the next year. Yeah. Well, very yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so have, you've no. got maybe two thirds of a load. Mm-hmm. And, and so the other third is just kind of free form. We yeah. were at a Spanish school for two weeks um, and We've got a Spanish teacher here in Uruguay, um, and just yeah, kind of letting the trip be the other third of the of the education. Wow, yeah, that that sounds like a dream. I'm gonna have to sweet talk my uh, ex husband into see or <laughs> my daughter's dad to see if maybe he'd let me do something like that just for my daughter's sake. I think that would be so cool. <laughs> Not that it would ever happen on my end, but I think that that's awesome what you guys are doing. It's a really cool experience for the for the kids and and then for. Um, for Vivian to be able to kind of see a little bit of culture and decide if, you know, maybe more travel is what she wants to do, or maybe she just likes Butte and wants to go back to the Montana life. It's kind of a cool opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. No, not yet. Not okay, yet. sorry, Tracy. No, no, that's fine. Um, okay, so why don't you guys just, if you don't mind, give me a little background as to what, what caused this? I, I mean, I, it's not something that most people just decide, oh, let's just take a year off. Like, what what, what created this? What, where'd the idea come from? Give me a little background on it. Sure. Yeah, I think this is not something we just dreamt up in January, although we've been working on this year since January. You're off. Um, but this probably dates back to 2009, 2010 where we, you know, we both had pretty good jobs, but we both just had the feeling of, you know, wow, I do not want to be working until I'm 65. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then having, you know, those amount of years to be to myself. And so we, we really started at that point kind of starting to think differently about, um, saving money, investing money, and it really took our first, dipped our first, uh, dipped our toe into real estate for the first time. And I think the, the real estate was really what, um, made this, this, uh, lifestyle possible. Yeah. Um, you know, there's my, 401k from work and Sarah has a 401k and that maybe contributes about 50% mm. to this sort of trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other 50% is, uh, is passive income from real estate or as passive as I can get. Sure. So, so it's, it's been a while for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll clarify that um, the 401k the the ability to do the trip isn't the ability to do the do the trip came from being able to retire because of the investments 
and the savings and mm-hmm. the lifestyle changes that we made and paying off debt and all the structure of what you were hearing in the different fire, um, you know, techniques that people have. Yeah, thank you. We're not spending down our 401ks on this trip. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. But those will be available to you when the time comes. I, I would assume it's age when you guys actually get, because I mean, um, how old are you guys? Are you guys, I think, late 40s, early 50s at the most? Right. Yeah, I'm 53. Yeah, I was 49 when I retired. I'm 50 now. Yeah, but I did convert my um, 401k into a solo 401k, um, so I do have access to it to be able to do loans um, to projects that we do and projects that for real estate. So my 401k is a little bit more of an operational um, pot of money. Yeah, we're not really living mm-hmm. 401k at all, really. No. Yeah. Um, no. One of the things we've been looking at is, you know, is it possible to purchase real estate in South America? Mm-hmm. Um, and we would use that vehicle to mm-hmm. do it. So, yeah, fascinating. So that, that's been a lot of fun to learn about that. Yeah, no, I, so, I, I totally relate. I've got, I am fully. Uh, <laughs> into it right now learning all of the a lot of the same things just because it is it's it's so different there's I mean there's no financing it's paying cash and there's so many different uh, it's, it looks just completely different than what it does here in the U.S. so yeah you've you've really got to have your your ducks in a row and have different sources of of income to be able to make that happen and um, yeah we'll have to chat about all of that too um, but with, Absolutely. with your, in, I mean, since we're on the topic to, I guess, talk about how you guys got here before we get into the fun part of the trip, what, so how, how much like real estate did you guys end up with from 2009 until this year? I mean, are you guys, do you guys have a hundred properties? Do, are you guys doing this on three properties? Oh, no. Just to give a little context right. to how powerful real estate is, is where I'm going with this. Yeah, I think, you know, we we really got into kind of that quantity thing early on that everybody gets hooked on. Mm-hmm. And, and we realized pretty quickly that quality is is really where we wanted to focus. So, yeah. so we really wanted to, to have a few, you know, and by quality, I don't mean A-class real estate. I just sure. mean um, really... Um, quality buildings that don't have a lot of deferred maintenance. That serve a population. Serve a population. Dependable return. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, we only have 12 doors that we rent long term. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, one house. Those, those are well, two houses that are on Airbnb mm-hmm. and then a smaller casita house in our backyard that's mm-hmm. also an airbnb okay. so we have a mix mm-hmm. yeah. of long term and, and month to month yeah no that's that's uh, i love hearing that because there's I, I follow so many podcasts with people that are really into like you said the, the quantity and people think that you have to own a hundred properties i'm so glad to hear that you guys are at a, a modest level because i think that that gives it gives hope to people to think that you can do what you guys have done, which is retire very early. I think by American standards, that's substantially early. Um, your average person, if they're lucky to ever retire is, you know, 65, where most, I feel like the vast majority probably never fully retire until their health forces it. So to be that, that far above the curve and it took, like you said, 12, 12 doors and very few of those are short term, which tends to be the, the higher profit. I mean, it's just steady and mm-hmm. you guys have made good choices with, with properties that are, like you said, quality that have decent returns. And, and that, that's a realistic thing to do. And you guys have done that in the course of, oh God, math, please don't make me do math. We're about what, 13, 13 years, 14 years of investing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's, so, I mean, I think that all that, the while, oh, go ahead. All the while raising three kids and working like scenes in our jobs, you know, so it's, it's like those 12 years were really intense and involved a lot of spreadsheets late at night and et cetera. So it was, it was definitely not passive. 
Sure. But, <laughs> you know, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of my greatest joys about this trip is that um, it is uh, a dream come true. You know, we, we set out this plan. A few things went our way as far as luck and, and the economy and what happened. But um, I would say a lot of it was planning. Yeah. And I think Sarah was saying right before we got on that, you know, one of her things that brought her the most joy of this trip is being able to harvest that fruit now mm-hmm. uh, after so much work, so many years. Of sure. Working, so. Yeah. And, and I mean, like going back over those 12 years, do you, I mean, like you said, you guys were raising kids. I, I know you guys through Facebook, so I don't know you guys personally, but I don't feel from my observation of watching your guys's life from afar that you guys went totally without either. I mean, you guys are, you guys took trips, you guys have great, like, you know, recreational lives where you guys are out, you know, mountain biking and doing all sorts of fun stuff in life. So it's not like putting your nose to the grind and, and being disciplined financially and putting in this extra work to create this passive income. It, it, it's not like it's a full sacrifice where you have no life for 12 years, right? It's, it's doable. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't say that. yeah, um, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, no. In, but I think we really defined our why. We defined our why, you know, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. wanting to to be able to do this, and then we have a new why with Vivian's gap year, uh-huh. and that I think is one of the most important things. Is that we defined our dreams, and then day by day, we just you know would work slowly mm-hmm. in that direction, and yeah, and yeah. it works. Yeah. Amen. Good for you guys. Um, so yeah. So tell me if you don't mind, why Central America? What what spurred this specific trip for your first one? I mean, I know a lot of people that do Europe, and there's various, and you guys are very recreational. I know that about you. So why uh, why mm-hmm. is this the, the trip that you guys chose? Yeah, I think you know, and we had a world map on the wall for close to six months, I think, before we decided where we were going to go. And we each picked a few countries, and I think we were just all over the map. Mm-hmm. And Literally. Yeah. It was a dry erase map. It was wonderful. You could draw lines on it and dream on it. And, and the more places we looked at, the more we thought, you know, wow, if we go to Europe, you know, Look at all the different languages we're going to be going through. Sure. And yeah. we and go lots, of lots of borders. Lots of borders, you know. With the dog. Yeah. That was an issue. If yeah. we go to Australia or New Zealand, we can't take our dog, mm-hmm. you know. And um, things like that, where just bit by bit, it wasn't like we really chose South America. It's more like it, it chose us uh-huh. with the set of circumstances that we have. Yeah. Of only needing to have, you know, learn one language, mm-hmm. being able to take the dog, which, you know, I know you want to get into that. It was oh, not easy, even <laughs> though, you know, it's supposed to be straightforward. Um, I have lots of information about that in my little blog. So um, I, yeah. I sent you a couple links, Tracy, yeah. so you can learn about taking a dog, especially by air. Yeah. is the hardest way um, but it is possible did yeah. you guys have and to I think hire maybe... oh sorry did you guys have to hire like a private jet to get you there with the dog or are there services that are available for that no no it was it was um you know a standard airline mm-hmm. however um there there are there are disconnects between the process and how you learn about the process so, um, on this, you know, there's the government side, like the USDA, um, has a finger in the pie of allowing your dog out as well as allowing your dog back into the U.S. And then each government in South America has some regulations about in and out, and they differ if you're flying or if you're going over a land border. So one thing we haven't mentioned on this podcast yet is that we have shipped vehicles down to Argentina and we're waiting on them getting through customs. So our, our overall plan is to be able to travel by our camper trucks 
mm-hmm. um, throughout South America, but we haven't realized that plan quite yet. So we'll be doing land crossings, which will be a lot easier with our dogs. But so far, we've done air crossings, which are expensive and um, not straightforward. So I will just suffice to say, um, do a lot of research for the countries that you plan to enter your dog into and out of, Mm -hmm. and pay special attention to whether the people you're learning from know about land crossings or they know about air crossings, because there is a difference. I see. Yeah. And if, if, um, doggo had not gypsy had not been, which is, I think appropriate for the, the trip that you guys are on, <laughs> your dog's name's gypsy, but, um, <laughs> if you guys had decided to leave her back home, would all of this had been, had been far more simple or just kind of slightly? Cause I imagine there's just the same issues no matter what, because of the language barrier, because of the different governments and all of that. Right, right. Um, I, I think one of the things that Vivian said was the happiest part of her trip is that our dog is um, becoming very socialized and very uh, used to situations. She's sort of a nervous border collie, mm. and um, she's much calmer now. I mean, she doesn't have a lot of the behaviors that she had in the U.S., I think because she has matured through all these experiences. So we're grateful we have brought her. The, really, the only times that it's been a pain is at the airport. So I still, even knowing what we w- went through and what we paid, um, I would still bring her. Oh, um, sure. If I was planning this again. Yeah. yeah. She really is the fifth member, sixth member of our family. Yeah. yeah. I think she would have been depressed to stay at home. Yeah. And I think she does have so much more to our trip, but yeah. I'm so glad we, and it was Vivian who was really pushing to bring Gypsy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad we did it. Yeah, South America is quite friendly towards dogs. Lots of people have dogs, and um, it's a great way, just like in a public park in Butte, it's a great way to meet people, and then you end up talking about your dogs in Spanish and learning languages. It's a great way to break the ice with a dog. That's yeah. Well, and then plus, if I I don't know, because we're going to get to that at the end of this show, but what your guys' future plans are, if you guys intend to do something like this again, or if you guys intend to make this a full lifestyle, it's you got to include the dog. It's like you said, it's a family member. So that that all makes total sense. I think it's awesome that Vivian advocated for that and, and you guys are doing that. It's, it's been neat to see pictures and all of that, including your guys's, your, your guys's doggo in it. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so what have you guys, I, you guys have been at this about two months, right? Is that correct? We yeah. just moved over the three months. Three months. Just, we, we left the country two months ago, or left the U.S. Left you. Left you. Three months. three months ago and left the U.S. three and a half, or two and a half months ago, Okay, I believe. And what have you guys done? Yeah. Where have you guys been so far? What have you guys, give me some memorable things that you guys have learned along the way or experienced and, and where you guys have been so far. Yeah, our first stop was in Colombia, and it was really kind of a, a, a cool fluke that Sarah stumbled across this. Spanish school in Colombia, San Carlos, mm. Colombia, and really wanted to start in Colombia. Um, be that as it may, we really wanted to follow summer south into Patagonia, so we're starting from Argentina. Um, but our first month was essentially in Colombia. Um, we went to the Spanish school for two weeks. It was an amazing adventure. I can provide more information about that. But it was essentially a, a full immersion Spanish school where in the morning you were in school and then in the afternoon you would either go on a hike or uh, you know, swim, tubing. We did canyoning. Uh, and they just really want to immerse you in the culture. And it was so effective. It was really neat. Um, wow. As opposed to just learning how to conjugate verbs and learning more vocab, you know, it was really 
an immersion into the Colombian culture. Yeah, that sounds and, amazing. And so that, me up. <laughs> so yeah. that was our stepping off point. And we also spent some time in Bogota and Medellin. And I think, you know, those were amazing experiences. But, you know, when you're in an Airbnb by yourself in a big city, you just don't meet the number of people that you do in a mm. in a school-like setting and in a rural-type setting. So I think we really kind of use that to guide the next steps of our trip of, of just trying to get into a rural setting. Mm-hmm. Um, when you guys so were in the that, Spanish school, was it was it just your family or were there others kind of like you guys doing the same thing? No, it it um it actually the school is in a large uh like Spanish colonial farmhouse mm. and um during the time of great violence it had been vacant and then the family that runs the school was able to buy it and so they um they have it run almost like a hostel um and they supply volunteers who through a program called Workaway, uh, which has been instrumental in our travel currently they they get volunteers to come and clean the hostel and work on the land of the hostel and, um, you know, cook and do different things for the hostel, but then also study Spanish as an exchange. And then they had people like us who would pay to stay. um, And so we would get um, included breakfast and if lunch, if we wanted it, and then these inclusive afternoon activities. So it was like a split style hostel slash Airbnb slash wow. Spanish school. That is incredible. Like very innovative. And like you said, that you're getting the opportunity to meet. Well, it, I mean, cause depending on where these guys are coming from with this work away, you're meeting numerous exactly. cultures. That's crazy. Yeah. So lots of people from Israel and Switzerland and uh, England. What? Um, yeah, they yeah. were wonderful. Yeah. That was truly a unique experience. I think we all would have stayed at the hospital. Yeah, we could return as work away yeah. volunteers. Yeah. You have to commit to three weeks if you want to do the work away experience, volunteer experience there. And then you do pay for the school, but it's not nearly as much as if you were paying for a fancy room. Sure, sure. Just for perspective here, for people that are kind of curious about financing these type of things, what would your your guys's two weeks there approximately U.S. dollars cost to go do do something just like that for two weeks and then call it a trip? With, I believe, breakfast and lunch included, not dinner. It was about a thousand dollars a week. Maybe it's goes over that. And that included lessons for all for four, all of, four us. of us. Oh my! And goodness. the dog. And the dog. And the dog. <laughs> so two fifty a person <laughs> for a week. Yeah, and yep. then there were some canyoning experiences that you would pay extra for, and I think by extra they meant per person twenty dollars a person. Oh yeah, my gosh. very reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That's in my exploration over the yeah. past six months. It's been shocking how affordable in comparison to like just I mean traveling in the U.S. compared to Europe it seems like there's a lot of expensive and there's a lot of more affordable but in general like South America I can't believe how affordable it is you know but I suppose that's the third world country aspect is that is that it you think I, I I think just the the um I mean, that, that term, I've been learning more about the term of third world and how, um, you know, it makes us a little biased of thinking it affects quality somehow, sure. but um, it sure didn't in, in the situations that we saw in Colombia. Colombia's, um, you know, rising out of that horrible history of cartels mm. and 50 years of civil war. 50 years of civil war. They're really blooming. But, yeah, the people are in great 
um, relief now that there's not this overhanging violence of people being killed around them all the time. And so um, I think it's just the reality of being in an economy that hadn't been allowed to bloom. Uh And I think it'll change probably. It'll, you know, become the longer there's peace, probably the more expensive it'll get. Sure. (laughs) Because it's awesome. The people are amazing. And um, yeah. An artistic. Yeah, I think the cost really boils down to, you know, the United States has a middle class and and that's the working backbone of our country. And, you know, a lot of these countries don't. Right, um, true. Where there isn't really a middle class. And, and so, sadly, really, you know, there are a lot of people who work. Sure. Like in Argentina for about, Two to four hundred dollars a month, and that's wow. that's what they earn, um, and that that's really what it boils down to. Is our country has gone through a labor movement, and I I was not a strong believer in the labor movement until I really started looking around at, at how people live here and how important it it has been to the United States. Mm. So um, fascinating. That's very different. Yeah. Um, very fascinating. So speaking of, th- this was one of my questions and it, you just touched on it. So safety, you, you pretty much answered that, but in general, what kind of research are you mm-hmm. guys doing or what, what um, protections, insurances are you guys taking to, as you travel around to make sure that it's safe for you and your kiddos? Oh, that's a great question. My, yeah. my parents really kind of fueled that because they were very nervous about our trip. As were my parents. Too. As were your parents. Like, yeah. Please, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we just we started looking at, at at various different objective agencies like the World Health Organization uh, and others that rank countries in order of, of safety. You know, in you know not just the number of murders and homicides, but also you know general safety. Um. And we were blown away that that you know the safety in Colombia is approximately the same as the United States wow. presently. It's not not looking at at mm-hmm. previous years. Sure, sure. Um, so I think there's there's a wrap there that they need to overcome. Um, but then as you head further south into um, Ecuador and Chile and Peru and Argentina, it just gets safer and safer. And and Uruguay is actually where we're at now is is the safest country in South America. And it's on par with New Zealand. Wow. You know, New Zealand of backpackers and it's legal to hitchhike and they don't have anything that will bite you kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Nothing, it's, not it's a single thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have been bitten a lot, I have to say, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but nothing better. Yeah. So. <laughs> Those are the things that I think about. I mean, like I, I might have told you guys, we're, we're leaving for Costa Rica here in a couple days, um, and we're doing 10 days with plans to come back, you know, numerous times and um, some bigger plans. And that's that's the first, <laughs> God bless my husband, that's the first thing he says is he's like, what about snakes? what about bugs? What's going to kill me? And there's so, I mean, like, I don't know a lot of those answers for, I I mean, I don't know the majority of those answers for the United States. If I went down South, it's a whole nother world of things that are going to try to kill me that I would be unaware of. So going through a whole country, um, a whole continent, like you guys are doing, how are you guys learning about that type of safety? Well, I think one of the things we're doing right now we're on a work away on a farm and really it it's an exchange of you know we were working for the farm and they are providing us housing and food and and most importantly spanish immersion and and we just learn about what's around us what kind of animals live here apparently there's a caterpillar that you really shouldn't touch um (laughs) and they showed it Yeah. yeah Okay. And and so just by just being immersed in this family, I think we we're really learning what 
what typical people feel um, is on the risk meter and what is off. Mm, so yeah. it, it's really helpful. Okay. Really helpful. What about things um, like... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, if we just went off of what we were reading, I'm sure we would be terrified of <laughs> all kinds of things. Not the yeah. So yeah, that makes I, total I, sense. Yeah. So what about like, the local. vaccines and things like that to be, not only that would be required, but that are also like recommended. Was that quite an experience getting all ready for that? Or is it pretty um, limited on what you had to do yeah. in that category? I took that on Tracy, um, and and a lot of a lot of the planning, um, any of the planning that was a little bit more difficult had to do with cost of vaccines in the U.S., um, especially coming out of the pandemic when um, people weren't traveling. A lot of the travel vaccines weren't available. Like huge silver bow didn't you know stock stock. Um, certain vaccines anymore because they just expired because no one was using them. That makes so, sense. So um, we had to do some extra research. And in the end, we just got the basics. We didn't end up getting the, the three rabies vaccines that would have been $300 each in the U.S. We just didn't do it because we're, sure. you know, we're, we're not going to pay $6,000 in the end for vaccines in the U.S. when if they're really a problem, and you're going to stay in a place for a while outside of resort areas, mm-hmm. locals will tell you, man, you really should get vaccinated for rabies. Or, you know, if it's really a problem, mm-hmm. same with um, yellow fever. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten the vaccine for yellow fever, even though we've been in some rural areas, because the locals are like, eh, you know, <laughs> yeah. not on their radar. Yeah. And, you know, COVID had been on their radar. and and yellow fever is not. So I would say, you know, do it if you have to for a program, sure. but, and get the basics done that are just smart to get done that are easy and don't break the bank. Mm. But you might be able to even, like, you, uh, you can get yellow fever vaccine for free in the Bogota airport. So if it's a problem in, in the country, mm. they'll have it available to you. Interesting. What about, that's how I would go about that. Yeah, no, and that makes sense. I mean, because it, it, it's, I, I think, I don't know, rabies was just on my mind when you said that. And like we have in Silverbow yeah. County, for example, we haven't had a case of rabies since 1976, I think. But yet it's still pushed. Mm-hmm. Every dog has to have, a, you know, rabies and all that stuff. So I get what you're saying there. And that makes total sense to ask the reality from the locals. But yeah. speaking of doggos. Your dog will have to have rabies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, with with Gypsy. So in terms of safety, that's something that's really big on my mind when I take my dogs to Costa Rica. Not not this trip, but maybe the next one. How do you with training? Like, how do you like? Okay, so, for example, in Costa Rica, there is um, little toads <laughs> and it says, don't let your dog um, lick these toads too much. Cause it'll poison them. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so like, how do you, how are you guys protecting gypsy from things that, you know, a, okay, you may know it's safe or you may not know it's safe, but just the general training of like, oh my God, don't eat that. Oh my God. I don't know what that is, but you sh- shouldn't eat that. Stay out of that bush. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. there isn't a lot of that here yeah um nor in colombia yeah they didn't have anyone instruct us on dog um risk okay yeah, yeah. I think the main risks were coral snakes in colombia which mm-hmm. was pretty uncommon where we were at um so it's just really a case-by-case basis of yeah. how how free-ranging is my dog and that's that's a wonderful aspect of a border collie is she's literally 10 feet away from us most of the time yeah so she's not off getting in trouble um, i think so yeah it depends thing, on your dog yeah depends on your dog and one one thing i would do is not bring a dog that fights with other dogs oh sure to a place where there are a lot of dogs you know if 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 gypsy didn't get along with other dogs this trip would have been horrible mm. um she's more afraid of people and loves dogs. That's her temperament. So, but if you had a dog that hated 
dogs and mm-hmm. loved people, that might be an issue yeah. in some of these countries. Yeah. A lot of wandering dogs it, down yeah. there, too. A lot of wandering dogs, yeah. yeah, and you don't want them fighting. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Super awesome information there. That's amazing. Um, what is the next step for you guys? What are you guys planning for the next, I guess, you know, eight to nine months? What do you, What's going on? Well, one of the, the really fun things, and I say that very sarcastically, <laughs> is the vehicle shipping that we're we're in the middle of right now, and and we're learning just how slow certain governments can be, namely Argentina, and and in in keeping our our vehicles in customs. So, long story short, we we have two trucks with small campers, sliding campers in the back, mm-hmm. and we're, we drove them down to Houston, Texas in, the, in August and put them on a boat. And then they took a boat from Houston down to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And they arrived October 13th in Buenos Aires. And we're still waiting for them to release them from customs 34 wow. days later. Do you guys So we're a little up in the air about it. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Actually, you're on the ground about it. <laughs> yeah, there have been days where we're just thinking, uh, so this, this farm that Sarah found through WorkAway has been amazing because we have no transportation other than if we were to rent a car. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've really found some silver linings from from not having those vehicles. Sure. And then once we do have those vehicles, we would like to continue to do workaways where we can find them. Mm-hmm. And and essentially, as I was saying earlier, follow summer south and head down um, as it gets towards Christmas time is when, when it heats up down here. So getting down to where the glaciers are and elephant seals and other things um, near the the southern tip of South America. And then as it starts cooling down, then we would come up the western coast of South America into Chile and Peru Mm. and Ecuador and and hopefully back to Colombia. Awesome. Very, very, very cool. I think that that's amazing. What kind of work are they having you guys do with WorkAway? I mean, do you have to have certain qualifications, or is it basically just jump in and get your hands dirty? It's really kind of neat. I think Sarah and Vivian have been here much longer than I have, but it's really catered to kind of both your skills, what you're good at, and and also what you're interested in learning about. So. Sarah has been really doing a lot of work in their organic uh, garden, mm-hmm. essentially, um, planting tomatoes and corn and other things. They have artichokes down here. Mm-hmm. And Vivian has been harvesting seeds. You guys made pasta. We made pasta, homemade pasta, Tracy. Yeah. So mm. using things that come out of the garden as they're ready um, is not a lifestyle or a way of cooking that I have been used to, you know, despite trying to be aware of seasons a little bit yeah. as a U.S. person. Especially in view. Yeah, we don't have a growing season, right? Very so <laughs> Everything's frozen. So this is really easy. Like, okay, what are all the recipes that you can come up with for all of these beans? And then we cook them. And then um, then the beans are done. And you're like, oh, but I was going to make a soup. Well, you can't make a wow. soup. There are no more beans. Too so late. you go on to the next thing. It's just really wow. fun. Yeah, really fun. That's so yeah. interesting. <laughs> and what has Niles been doing for work? Or is it just because he's a student, he's not doing that? He has a reduced load. We shoot for about four hours a day, which usually turns into five or six. It's just fun. It's 
to right. stay busy. And the family's great. So Niles has been mowing grass, and then that grass is used as cover for the garden that we're tilling. And then um, he assisted um, stacking posts for some fence posts that they're harvesting from the forest on the land. Mm -hmm. There's an invasive tree, an acacia tree down here, and the hosts are, are cutting them and, and turning them into a profit as fence posts. So we've we've been doing that. And it's just really fascinating seeing how how people do pretty much the same thing in other countries. Mm. Yeah. And get it done. So Interesting. It's really neat. How about the the pace of life down there you said you know the same but you know they're doing some things the same what's the pace like is it slower is it fast is it I mean depends on where you're at what's your observations there two things really I think you know, one thing that's been really interesting is that Amazon hasn't arrived here yet wow so the, the small the small store, the mall, you know, lots of things like that are still alive and well here. You know, there's, there's community grocery stores, there's small little corner stores. Um, so there's, there's this infusion of commerce kind of throughout the town, which is, which is so different and so and nice. relationships are super important. Mm. Yeah. Your relationship between your neighbor farmer and his dairy and your eggs and oh. your vegetables, the ladies' fruit tree down the road, all of that is just alive and well here. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And the other thing is that fiesta is a real thing down here. Yeah. So you can really find yourself sleep deprived if you skip the siesta. Yeah. Because, you know, they get up at a normal hour. Um, but then a lot of times dinner isn't until 11 o'clock or later. At night. At, at night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. At night. Yeah. yeah. It's this crazy schedule is like waking up around eight and they drink yerba mate down here, which is caffeine. It's not caffeine. It's a different stimulant um, that's related to caffeine. Mm -hmm. So all day long, they are working and drinking and sipping this yerba mate and it they're working their butts off you know just pumping it from mm. eight to like two and then it's lunch um and there's like little bready snacks in the morning but no big breakfast mm -hmm. so then lunch is big and then you hump it again and then siesta and then dinner is not till 9, 10, or 11 at night. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah, crazy. It's very different. It's very different, yeah. Huh. With the, the schedule of the life. Yeah. We're kind of getting into the rhythm, but honestly, last night, we all had a quick before dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> skipped it, huh? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's fascinating. Um, how about... With uh, Vivian and Niles, what have been some of the most, like, your favorite aspects of this trip? And, and I should say, are you enjoying the trip, first of all? And if so, what are some of your favorite things? Um, I am enjoying this trip quite a bit. I've really enjoyed learning Spanish. Uh, I am not very good at Spanish, but learning and like starting to understand what people are saying is really gratifying and uh, motivating to keep mm. going. Sure. So I'm having a lot of fun doing that. That's cool. Have you met other kids and, your age too? Uh, yeah, I have. And not they... like, oh, go ahead. not other travelers because uh, it's odd to meet someone traveling South America my age that mm. speaks English, but I've made friends because a lot of people speak English down here mm. and speaking Spanish is mm. difficult. Yeah, <laughs> oh, sure. And it's it's different like the re like the regional Spanish too. Is it pretty is it pretty universal throughout all of 
of South America or are there pretty strong regional dialects? I think I said that right. Yeah, you did. And and I think one thing that a, a friend of ours living in Duke, Montana, who's from Venezuela said is that Spanish speakers can understand each other, but they there are different words in different countries that are, you know, local, you know, like sure. the South. There are things that people call certain insects or yeah. foods that you just, if you're not from that area, you just don't know what they're talking about. And it's the same in South America. Mm. But in general, Spanish speakers can understand each other. Mm. But for people like us who are learning, like I have one word for car. Mm-hmm. And if they decide in a different area not to use that word for car, <laughs> you're not <laughs> I'm a ride. I'm not like, I don't know how to ride. Yeah, exactly. I'm not getting the ride. They don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, okay. so that's that's the situation there. Okay. How about you, Nas? What about you? Uh, I agree with meeting people. That's always really fun. It's not too different from America. Like on what people do. It's the football isn't as popular here, mm. which is a down for me. But soccer and basketball are fun ways to meet people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah. learning Spanish is fun sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Very cool. That's neat. Uh, any new hobbies that you guys have learned that you think that you'll take back home with you and continue to do? I'd have to Say learning Spanish, honestly, mm-hmm. ranks really high on all of our satisfaction meters. Mm. Just, you know, thinking it would be something that we could master through an app or something like that, and then getting down here and realizing, wow, you know, <laughs> that four-year-old has a better grasp of this language than I do mm. after nine months on the Duolingo app. Yeah. Um, it's really been humbling. But it's also just just a really worthwhile effort. The best way to learn stuff. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I find that interesting that you guys say that because I, I talked to my 13-year-old about, um, you know, future plans and travel and, like, exploring the world. And that was one of her biggest things. She's like, I just think it would be so fascinating to learn as many languages as possible. And that's not something that I ever thought about with traveling. I always think of just the experiences and the different – I'm a food person. I'm like, I like to eat. So I'm like, oh, trying the different foods and going without certain foods because they don't exist and seeing different, you know – beautiful sceneries, et cetera. And I, I talked to her about that and she's like, yeah, no, I think that like the language part would be the coolest. So I guess she could certainly relate with what you guys are saying. Absolutely. Yeah. There's one thing we, we came across, it's an old Czech proverb that really grabbed us. And it was, it goes something like, you know, for every language that you learn, it's another life that you live. And if you only know one language, you only live once. So, so true. Oh my gosh. That is so it is, true. Yeah. It is truly a different life, you know, being immersed in the Spanish and, and, you know, being frankly infantile in our ability to use it. Yeah. And, we're like babies. And yeah. exploring our world. <laughs> and uh, it is, it is a different life. Yeah, and how, how amazing and patient of your host families and the, the places that you're going to, to understand. And I mean, they must be like serious experts in teaching if this is something that they do frequently and like how patient they are to try to communicate, you know, their language and not be heard or only be heard at, heard at an infant level. <laughs> so they must be very patient people. I'm so grateful, so grateful to the family here, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, very given. Well, any future plans after this trip is over? Do you guys, are you guys just going to head home and see what happens next? Or do you guys have other big trips planned? Do you guys have any changes to your life that you guys plan on making when you get back? Just tell me about the future. Well, I think one one thing that we really really became part of the theme of this trip was that we just we just had too much stuff. Our house was too big, and we really downsized uh, to 
do this trip and essentially rent our house out. And so I think continuing to live with, with fewer things is mm-hmm. just such a relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from a, a living perspective, that, that's one thing that I hope to take forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, you know, we really have structured this trip so that the next eight months are, um, are pretty, pretty fluid. Um, so that if we find an area that we really want to go mm-hmm. or stay longer, mm-hmm. we would stay longer there. Um, if there's places that are just not our style, we can just move on. Yeah. Um, well, I think really we're, I don't know, speed dating South America for speed dating is for potential places to to live maybe a portion of the year in the future. Sure. Um, it may happen, may not, you know. Yeah. Um, but I miss Montana. I am. I am. I am. So home. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Montana is so amazing. Mm. Yes. Interesting. We have some homes even with the weather reports of like, I just, I do miss bundling up and having an excuse to like look out the window and go, wow, I'm really glad I'm not outside or, or I really want to go outside and ride my snow bike or I want to shovel the the sidewalk or whatever it is, Tracy, Mm -hmm. truly, wherever you are, there are such great, great things that go on. So I am missing Montana. Yeah, Interesting. making us feel very grateful for, for the city that we call home. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. That I mean, that's um, it, it's just fascinating. You guys are like perfect guests for this show because you guys, you guys are picture exactly what I picture when I started this podcast was the type of people that are willing to try new things and not have commitments to it. Just kind of let it flow, see what happens, um, find very simple and meaningful things from it to bring back and, um, but yet still have fantastic appreciation for what you have back home and just living your life fearlessly. And and it's, it's admirable. Very, I I am so jealous of you guys right now in a very positive way. I'm so happy you guys are doing this, but I'm like, Oh, just give me more. Give me all the information. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we can't wait to hear about your Costa Rica adventures and, oh, yeah. and how that developed. Oh, yeah. yeah we, sounds like you're starting an adventure of your own. Yeah, yeah. We're just we're, we're doing some preliminary speed dating as well. We, we speed dated through Florida, and um, we're going to be doing some speed dating through Arizona, too, for the snowbird aspect. But, um, yeah, we're going to do some exploring of Costa Rica. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe the I've always been interested in Chile, Peru, those type of areas, too. So maybe spend some time there. But, yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're very interested in international real estate investing as well. So we're exploring all of that because, like you guys said, it's – I mean, there's so many things to learn. I'm seven years into learning about American real estate. <laughs> so I'm like, well, it's time to – and it's taken a lot, and I, I know a fraction, right? But, oh, well, let's just expand that out and see what I can learn about international real estate and all the ins and outs and the things that happen there as well so it'll be it'll be fun to exchange to exchange experiences and and uh roadmaps <laughs> yeah. yeah and would you guys be well, willing to do this again towards the end of your trip so that um, we can check in and kind of see how you guys are doing and what you found and explored and learned in the ninth and tenth month absolutely Sure. Fabulous. Yeah, I think that would be fun. Well, that sounds awesome. Is there anything that anybody else would like to share with the the listeners of this show before we get off of here? Anything else you want to throw out there? I think that's it. We just got the notice that we're heading to the local fair from the the host family. So Mm. this is good timing. Well, perfect. Well, then you guys go explore the the fair and see all the things and experience all of the amazing awesomeness there. And until then, I'll be in touch and we'll we'll do this round two later on in your adventure. Oh, thank you, Tracy, for this opportunity. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank, thank you, you so guys, much. so much. Great talking to you. Same to you. Happy travels and be safe, guys. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Okay, right. thank, thank you. You as well. Bye bye.